Good morning. Greetings to each one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> I am thankful for the things that have been shared so far today. I'm thankful that the story of Jesus didn't end with the manger. That there's a whole lot more to this story. <clears throat> Good to see all of you. Welcome to the visitors among us. Thank you for joining us for the day. Blessing us with your presence. Perhaps we could... Uh, just begin with prayer. If you're able, stand with me and we will pray. Father, we are here in Jesus' name again this morning. Thank you for the freedom and opportunity we have to gather as your people, to be taught from the scriptures, to open our hearts to your instruction, your word. Thank you. Thank you for the things that have been shared here already. And Father, as we look further in your word, be with us and uh, may, we, may we with our hearts understand your truth and receive it in our lives and be changed by it, Lord, each of us. Father, I thank you. Thank you that Jesus did come, that he brought about a way of salvation, brought about a an opportunity to have a new life, brought about an opportunity to be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your dear Son, Father. We thank you for those opportunities. And today again, as we sit together and, and encourage each other in the journey, I pray that your Spirit would be present here with us, blessing us and inspiring us and helping us, Lord. So, Father, we do commit this time to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, this morning, I, I invite you to turn to the book of Ephesians. I'd like to uh, share a message that the first uh, thoughts of it actually came to me uh, from the Youth Bible School back in November. Uh, and I carried a thought with me from that and then developed it a bit <clears throat> and actually shared a message in Tanzania several times there, two opportunities, but both with, obviously, with translators, so... I'm kind of hoping this morning will feel a little more uh, uh, relaxed than that did. But anyhow, it did go fine. It's just that uh, when you, when you ca can't communicate in the language of the people, you feel much more limited. And uh, so I'm hoping I don't feel that limitation today. So anyhow... Um, 
I've uh, maybe I'll begin with the thought that was shared that uh, I that was kind of the take a take home thought to me uh, from the Bible school, not new, but just again a reminder about life and life's choices and how they affect us. And the uh, the thought that was shared there multiple times was this, that we make our choices and then our choices make us. So I don't know if you can follow that, but uh, it basically you could make a, you could, uh, make a circle and, and it would illustrate it. So we, uh, we go through life and we face a choice, you know, and we, we face lots of them, uh, probably every day. Uh, decisions, choices, whatever decisions, uh, life, uh, life, life happens, and we have to respond to it. You know, there's something. I'm getting sidetracked, but I'm going to do it while I'm thinking about it. Uh, in the uh, in the scripture there in John, it talked about the days of taxing. Uh, that this governor declared that all the world should be taxed. And uh, everyone went to be taxed, and Joseph and Mary, Joseph took his espoused wife to be taxed, and he went to his hometown. I couldn't help but think about our year 2020. And there's a, there's a lot of things happened, and our governments uh, said things and required things that we kind of scratched our head and we struggled to obey. But as uh, we were reading that scripture this morning, um, and I looked at that and I thought, I wonder what Joseph thought. This governor decided that the whole world shall be taxed. It almost seems like it wasn't a normal process. Seems like it was something new almost. And so, and maybe it wasn't new. I, I'm not uh, uh, that familiar. But it, uh, anyhow, Joseph needed to get his wife, who's with great with child and about to deliver, get on a donkey and head to his hometown. Do you think he thought any of the thoughts that we thought in the last year? <laughs> who is this governor anyhow? Why is he doing this? What's the big deal? You know, who, who gave him the right to do this? Huh? Anyway, that was a sidetrack. So anyway, we face decisions, right? We've, life, life happens. I guess that's where I got that. Life happens. We, and so uh, we make a choice. You know, at this point of decision, we make a decision, and, uh, and, and we choose a path. And then, as we continue on, and we do that multiple times, uh, we choose a path, uh, our decisions, we make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. You know, and I, I, I like to, uh, that's one way to illustrate it. Another way, and, and we're going to look at this a bit, um, is I have uh, I've taken a piece of wood, and for some of you, you probably can't hardly even see, but there's a very small uh, cut in this side. And maybe that's when we uh, come to that first point of a decision, a choice in life, and we choose, let's just say we choose the wrong. We make the decision uh, the wrong way. We choose, how does Romans say... Uh, um, talks about walking in the flesh or in the spirit, but let's say we choose the flesh, and it just it has a little bit of an impact on us. It it 
changes something in us. We chose in that decision process, we chose something of the flesh. And so that little decision now becomes a part of us, that choice that we made. And then life continues on and we, somewhere down the road, you know, we come back around and we face that cho- another choice, a similar one or, or the same one or one that's like it. And we're more easily prone to make the wrong choice at that point again. And now we got even a, a deeper and a broader reality of that particular decision that has ingrained itself and become a part of us. And then life continues on continues on and uh, we might face a few more choices and eventually we got quite a... Those, those choices have become very, very much a part of us. They, they're worn in deep. They're worn in wide. They're, they're, uh, they're just very much there. And so that's, um, that's a little where I'm coming from today as we look at uh, Ephesians... And we're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 5, just reading the first two verses. Ephesians 5, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Now, um, there's two words in in those verses that... um, they they talk they they are words that express a a choice in a sense. It says be that we're to be followers of God. So followers, following is a choice. You know, it's uh, we have to choose who we're going to follow, right? Uh, and like we said there in the, at that point of decision, we we choose whether we're going to follow the spirit or whether we're going to follow the flesh. It's it's a point of choice. Be ye therefore followers. Uh, the second verse, walk. Walk in love. Uh, again, a word of choice. You know, uh, which path are we going to walk in? Uh, and the word walk uh, shows up in, the, in, uh, in Ephesians here a number of times. In Ephesians 4.1, walk worthy. Uh, in Ephesians 4.17, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Um, Ephesians 6, or yeah, Ephesians 5, 5.8, the latter part of the verse, walk as children of light. Uh, so we have, we have that, um, uh, there's, there's more, I have some of them uh, circled, uh, 2.10, chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, so, it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of the, it's the pathway that we're choosing to, we're being exhorted in how we, this thing's kind of far away. Um, uh, When we come to those points of decision, we are exhorted on how we're to walk. And it's kind of like you, you, you have uh, two different ways you can go. And that, you know, that happens many, many times in life and sometimes many times in a day. Uh, and how we choose to walk. This, um, 
This scripture and, and these verses here in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, you know, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not, the context is not calling someone from the life of an unbeliever and a sinner into Christ. The context is actually talking to the people who have chosen to follow Christ and are His disciples and, are, and we're being instructed how, uh, how to walk. You know, how, uh, instructed to make the right choices as life unfolds before us. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the uh, context. That's the, where we're coming from as we look at, at some of this. Um, I've, I've titled the message, Choosing the Path We Walk In. And uh, this, this uh, uh, second verse here in Ephesians 5, walk in love, obviously that, uh, those words kind of sum up God's path in just a couple of words. But then we also have, uh, we have Ephesians describes a very different path, even just over in, uh, in uh, chapter 4. Verse 17 to 19, where I already referred to verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling, and I sometimes say past, uh, they have no conscience, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. So, in those verses we see a very different path. And, and obviously that is the path of the unbeliever. It's the path of uh, the person who has decided they don't want God in their life and they're going to live however they want to live. But we also realize that... <clears throat> And I think we understand well that as a Christian, having uh, chosen to follow Christ doesn't mean that it's uh, live happily ever after, is it? It's not, it's not like we get on a road and we're traveling and there's no, nothing to worry about. There's, in other words, there's nothing to be concerned about. Uh, we're now on the road. All is good. Uh, our destination is sealed. We are, you know, that's not the case. There's... There's plenty of opportunity for us to, uh, in, the, in the journey with Jesus, there's opportunity for us to make those wrong choices and actually begin to, to wander from the, the right way. And so, choosing the path we walk in. So we're going to look at, uh, at several points here, right here in this context that the Scripture uh, gives us. As we think about choosing the right path, and we'll, we'll begin in um, chapter 4, in verse 25, we find our first point that we'd like to consider. It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And uh, I'd simply, I, my first point is simply, uh, speaking lies or speaking truth. You know, choices that we have to make. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we're, you know, that we're, uh, 
not a people who will, you know, lie, simply say untruths. The uh, scripture has a lot to say about uh, our words and our, our, uh, our tongues. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. And then another verse in Proverbs, The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is vanity, tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Now we might look at that verse later, uh, but just thinking of it in terms of of a lying tongue. Um, And in that case, in that context, uh, the getting of treasure, well, I'll leave that one until later, because we'll talk about that uh, just a little bit later. Um, John 8.44 says, Ye are of the Father, he's, he's talking to some of the uh, Jews there who weren't believing in him at all, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your fathers, your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. He speaketh a lie, and he speak, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. <clears throat> and then one more scripture, uh, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. You know, it, I'm trusting that in our culture and in our lives, we, we, we're truthful. I, I'm trusting us uh, in that we're truthful. We, when uh, when uh, we're asked, you know, questions that we answer them honestly. Um, it's not that way in all cultures. In in uh, in the in the Tanzanian culture, we got talking about this a little bit over there. If uh, if you were, uh, they were talking about a, a situation where. So we're gathered in, a, in, a, in an office and we're talking and one person gets a phone call. He's supposed to be meeting another person at a certain time. And he gets a phone call asking where he's at and he says, oh, I'm on the way. But he's, in reality, he's not on the road. He's, he's sitting right there in the office chair. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, uh, the culture there in Africa, that is actually a very uh, much a part of their culture. You, you tell the person that uh, uh, you're on the way that will be comforting to them, that, that they, they know you're en route, and when you get there, you, you just, you know, you'll take care of whatever problem you're being late is. Um, I trust that is not, uh, uh, and that's, the, the, uh, those are the kind of things that uh, um, they wrestle through there. Uh, to try to teach the local believers to, even though their culture very much is geared that way and does it that way and is expected you to do it that way, uh, but to actually teach them something different. But uh, And I didn't really stop to consider where it would affect us, but um, in, in our day-to-day lives, but uh, certainly there is there are opportunities where we can be uh, not be truthful, and if we if we do it once, it becomes easier to do it again. It becomes a part of us, and and then do it again and again. And after a while, it's 
it's just very much, very deeply ingrained in our lives. <clears throat> All right, I think we'll move on to the next point is uh, found in, in verse 28 of chapter 4 here. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that, me, that he may have to give to him that needeth. And that's also, uh, well, we'll talk about it in our context. 1 Corinthians uh, 6 verse 10 says, uh, Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, thieves is the particular word we're looking at there. Uh, we have the example of Zacchaeus when he met the Lord. He said this, he said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So this point uh, is simply uh, stealing or honest labor, you know, uh, for what we get, uh, trying to get uh, by uh, stealing or honest labor. And we'll, we'll look at it a bit more deeper than that for us and... and uh, in Proverbs 13.11, the scripture self says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall diminish, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And I think that verse is, is the one that um, probably would speak to us quicker. I doubt that any of us, I trust, that none of us would actually go out and uh, go into our neighbor's shop or into the grocery store and actually take something and walk out without paying it. I... Uh, I believe better things, though there are people that get into those kind of grooves, and it's an addiction. They get away with it, it's, it gives them a blood rush, and they go for it again, and it can be hard to break. But what we're looking at here in this verse, um, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathered by labor shall increase. Um, uh, let's look at a verse in Jeremiah yet. Jeremiah 17.11 As the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool. You know, there's ways that we can uh, steal without, out, without out, outright stealing. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the way to say it or not. I... I I think of two examples in my uh, history of farming where people try, I'm going to say, tried to steal from me without outright stealing. One of the ways was, um, <clears throat> so we used to, I used to purchase a lot of grain, corn, and uh, it was a known thing that you wanted a supplier who you could trust to be honest. Because there's ways to be dishonest in business of, of that sort. And uh, one of the ways that um, uh, people do dishonest business when it comes to selling grains, obviously they can uh, tweak the scales, that's one thing they can do. But the other thing they can do is they can put uh, a good quality uh, corn on top of the load and a bad quality in the bottom. And... Uh, one time it happened to me that I got from a new guy, hadn't gotten from him before, 
And we, I, I tested the load and it seemed fine, but I kept testing as we unloaded. And I just kept pulling samples and testing and we got about halfway through and the moisture started going up. And we stopped. And I sent him down the road with the rest of his load and never had him into my farm again. So that's one situation. You know, we can, we can do things that, that are just not honest. It's trying to steal. It's trying to get something, get more than we should be getting. Uh, another situation similar, but, but yeah, so very similar actually. I had a, um, I had an elderly uh, gentleman who was my cattle broker and bought and, bought and helped me sell my cattle all, all, all the years of my farming uh, cattle. Anyway, he passed away and he had trained in a young man and uh, this uh, younger man was he, was, he was a good fit for the job and he went out to a farm, and it was in Virginia. <laughs> no reflection on you or anyone of your relatives, because I don't think it was any of them. Uh, he went out to a farm, looked at a herd of cattle, agreed to buy them, and uh, they were to come to our farm. The, 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 uh, the farmer brought the cattle to the sales barn there in Virginia to have them weighed, and loaded on a different truck and brought up to our farm. I was actually traveling at the time and I got a call from, him, from my broker and he said, uh, the cattle arrived, but he said, these are not the cattle I looked at. Some of them are, but he said, there are a bunch of, there's quite a few cattle mixed in this load that are poorer quality than what I saw out in the farm. He said, what shall I do? Shall I sort out the better ones and send him back with the rest? And we talked a bit. It was the first, uh, the first um, time that uh, this young man, younger broker was working with this particular gentleman. And it was, I think it was actually our first uh, load that this younger broker was sending me. And we talked a bit and we decided that since this gentleman had decided to prove himself unfaithful, we would just simply send the entire load of cattle back to the farm. And that's what we did. So there's examples. Now we can think in our own minds. Now that's kind of, I know most of us aren't grain farmers and cattle farmers, but we can think of, of life. We can think of little situations where it would be easy to the scale in our favor, to do things in our favor. Um, and there's no, there, and, and we're, we're exhorted against that. <clears throat> there's another, uh, another concept that comes up here, in, in, and it's found in Psalm 15.1. Uh, Psalm 15.1 through verse 4, but I'm, I'm only going to read verse 1 and verse 4. Uh, David in Psalm 15:1 says, "Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill?" And the following verses give a number of, of descriptions of people who will. And then he comes to verse four and he says, and the first part of the verse doesn't. Uh, well, actually, let me just go to the latter part of the verse, verse four, uh, 15, verse four. Uh, One of those that will dwell uh, 
uh, in the holy hill is defined here in the latter part of verse 4. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Now that's one point that I think probably sometimes would be a temptation is uh, and I don't, you know, again, we're, that's probably referring a little bit more to people who are in business and that kind of thing. Sorry if I'm out of your league <laughs> with my examples. But I, I, uh, I, I mean, it happens. I, I worked for a, a construction company this summer, uh, part-time. And uh, at one point, they described a situation where they did a quote on a job. The, the owner signed the quote. And they realized they had forgotten a significant something in the project. There had been a bit of a rush on it, and they had worked through it quickly and failed to take enough of time to review it and make sure they had all their bases covered. What do you do? You know, this scripture uh, tells us that he that sweareth to his own hurt makes a promise to do something, then later realizes I missed something. I didn't take this in consideration. You know what? I'm going to back up. I'm going to see if I can redo this thing. I'm not going to say there's never a place for that, but really, when we have made a, you know, when we have put out the contract, the owner, the uh, customer has signed it, we really do need to absorb the loss if we did something wrong in the process. And I, 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 I never heard an indication at all from our boss that there was any other option but to uh, swallow that one. So those are ways that we might uh, be tempted to be dishonest. Another way might uh, just trying to get maybe a little closer to where we might live, uh, some of us. Maybe just be we get something at the store and they check out five and we got eight of a certain thing or something and they missed a few. And we could be tempted to just let it go. Ways that we might uh, choose to uh, actually steal rather than obtain by honest labor, by uh, honest business, honest work, honest whatever we uh, are engaging in. All right, I'm going to move ahead. Um, So again, just thinking about the path. Maybe just thinking about that a little bit. You know, the, we do it one time, and uh, we make that decision once, and uh, it becomes a part of us in just a small way. And then maybe we face a different situation, and we uh, make another choice that uh, isn't the right one, and it becomes even more a part of us. It can easily happen. <clears throat> All right, uh, the next one uh, we find in verse 29 here and of, of uh, Ephesians 4, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then in, verse, uh, in chapter 5, verse 4, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. There we're talking about our, our words, our, our speech, Good, good, wholesome uh, speech or uh, bad speech, corrupt speech. Uh, as it says here in, in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That word corrupt is rotten. Uh, I think we all know 
that rotten is pretty uh, repulsive. If we sat a plate of rotten food before you, you would uh, be repulsed by it. Uh, so in this context, we're, we're not to be speaking rotten words, filthy words. And again, we can go different places with that. You know, it can simply mean, uh, uh, like it says here in verse 4, filthiness or foolish talking or jesting. It can be foul language, you know, having words in our vocabulary that are, that are just simply foul Foul, foul. <laughs> Words that uh, are unclean make, make us and others who hear them think of things that are perverse, those kind of things. But then there's also the, 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 so there's that aspect of it, you know, choosing right words, wholesome words, pure words, words that are upbuilding to those who hear them as opposed to uh, suggestive or immoral or, or those kind of words. And then there's also the, 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 the another um, concept that we could look at here is simply that of uh, uh, which James 4 speaks of it in verse 11 when he says, Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. There's another... Um, Another um, vein of thought, I guess, uh, as far as words, uh, where we use our words to speak evil of others, not speaking uh, well of them. Maybe not dirty words, but degrading words. Um, Maybe not unholy words, but making that person... uh, making their uh, assassinating their character or whatever you know making that person look look really bad and that kind of thing there's another another way that we can we can uh, use words we can speak words that are not healthy not wholesome <clears throat> so good words are bad words and again uh, remember the illustration we do it once we do it twice we do it a third time, it becomes more and more a part of us. More and more a part of who we are. <clears throat> All right, and the next one is also in this uh, same context here, uh, verse uh, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And again, the uh, you know we talk about life and life unfolding, and it does. And uh, whether it's you and your wife, whether it's you and your boss, whether it's you and your neighbor, whether it's you and your students, whether it's you and your teacher, whether it's whatever, there are opportunities that come in life where you would have the privilege, the privilege, not sure if that's the word I should use, but where you would have the, you would have the temptation at least to, to be upset at that person in your life, to, to be angry at that person, to be 
bitter toward that person. To uh, that's life. It it uh, it unfolds in in ways that we sometimes don't appreciate. But we're exhorted here that uh, again to choose the right path uh, to put away the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and rather, on the other hand, to exercise kindness, forgiveness, to have a tender heart toward our fellow man. You know, it's interesting he says tender-hearted. Um, it generally takes a bit of a hardness of heart to, to, to uh, hold real anger and bitterness towards someone. Um, there's not a tenderness toward a person that we're anger, angry and bitter toward. So we're exhorted to rather to be tender-hearted and forgiving as uh, God for Christ's sake hath, hath forgiven us. So again, the choices that we make, choosing the right. <clears throat> our choices, we make our choices and our choices make us. You know, you, uh, I'm sure you've all met people in life um, that, are just really angry and bitter. You've, you've probably happened upon someone somewhere in life. And those things didn't happen just overnight. You know, something came upon their life at some point and uh, they chose to harbor the angerness and the bitterness, made that choice. It became a small part of their experience. And, and that small part of that exp- their experience made it easier the next time to respond the same way and multiple responses in that way, and eventually it was just so entrenched, and it, and it uh, just uh, is evident to those who interact with the, with the individual. Those things do happen. And, uh, but we're exhorted, we're encouraged, we're, uh, we're uh, exhorted to choose the right path. Choose uh, to forgive rather than to harbor anger and bitterness. All right, the uh, the next one we'll jump over to chapter five. Uh, we're still, and again, you know, it's kind of interesting that this verse one and two are just stuck right in the middle of all this context of real practical instruction about life. Uh, so the next one we find in verse three. And this one is simply uh, uncleanness or purity. Uh, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Verse 5, For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ, of Christ and of God. Um, So yeah, the whole subject of purity and relating to life in a, in a manner of purity. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication. And I believe that uh, could simply be stated that we would abstain from all kinds of, uh, of impurities. Uh, uses the word fornication. Uh, in a broad sense, there's a lot of a lot of uh, our world is is uh, 
driven by all sorts of impurities on the gender level, and uh, we're exhorted to abstain to, to, uh, from every sort. First uh, Corinthians 6.18, flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Um, and then we have Hebrews 13.4, a marriage is honorable in all the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. You know, God created the genders, and uh, we have the, the, the blessed uh, words of our Lord when He said it's not good for man to be alone, and He created a helpmeet, and He made a, a two appropriate genders, and, and like Hebrews says, in its rightful place, it's a very pure and holy uh, part of life, and in its wrongful uses, it becomes very... Uh, defiling and very uh, unclean and very uh, uh, departing far from God. And we are exhorted again uh, to choose the right path. Uh, just like all the other examples that we gave, if we, if we choose the wrong path, choose to uh, follow impurities in these matters, you know, it starts to affect us in a small way. And as we multiple times make those choices, it, it ingrains itself even more deeply into our lives. And then comes the point where it, bec- you know, just really possesses us. And it can be, can be quite difficult to get out of that kind of a groove and, and get back on the right way. But we'll talk about that a little as well. So... Uh, choosing uh, uh, purity over uncleanness, over sinfulness in all these areas of life. <clears throat> I'd like to, uh, to wrap it up here, just uh, turn our thoughts a bit toward Romans 8, where it uh, says this in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to turn back to Romans there at the scripture that I have always enjoyed and appreciated. Romans 8 <clears throat> talks about uh, the carnal mind and the spirit, uh, uh, walking in the flesh or in the spirit. As verse 1 says, There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Uh, Verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What I would like to say is that, uh, uh, obviously, we understand that repentance and turning away from sin is obviously the first uh, uh, necessary factor when we realize that we have, in fact, you know, we have, in fact, made some wrong choices and we have, in fact, something of a, of evil and wrong has become very much a part of our life. Uh, But I would also like to say that if we have made wrong choices, if we make right choices by the power of God and the help of God, you know, uh, repent of our wrong choices and begin to make right choices, 
they also become a part of us. just like uh, we illustrated here, we make our choices and our choices make us. Uh, as we make those right choices multiple times, it becomes more and more a part of who we are. And as we make those right choices over and over again, it becomes the natural thing to do, really, uh, in many, many ways. So, a, a choosing uh, to walk in the Spirit, choosing the path of the Spirit, as opposed to the path of the flesh, uh, to be spiritually minded, to follow the Spirit, to walk after the Spirit, knowing that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> knowing that if we choose the flesh, uh, they that live after the flesh shall die. You know, eventually. It might not seem so obvious at the first choice or the second choice or the third choice, but eventually if we make multiple choices after the flesh, it does lead to death. It does lead to death of our spiritual lives and our, our uh, spiritual fervor. And eventually we find ourselves in a place that uh, we would uh, not have initially thought to be, to go. But multiple choices to take us somewhere. So, choosing our path, choosing it well, uh, choosing the, choosing the uh, God's path, choosing to walk in His ways, that's my encouragement to us today. Uh, our choices, we make our choices, and our choices make us. If you're able... I invite you to kneel together and we'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do again bow in your presence. Thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for each one who who has uh, chosen to be a part of this worship service. Also, thank you for those who perhaps had a desire to be here but were not able for whatever reason. Today we ask a blessing on each one again. Lord, may, your, may something that has been shared from the scriptures today uh, just uh, provide a stepping stone and encouragement in, a right, in the right direction, Lord, in the many uh, daily, moment-by-moment choices that we face in life. Father, thank you for, again, for Jesus, for the uh, way of salvation that He has opened to us. Thank you for the spirit that has uh, been sent to strengthen us, to enable us. Do help us, Father, to walk in the spirit. And as the scripture says, that if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And again, Lord, thank you for those promises and help us again to have them as a a reality in our experiences, Lord. So again, bless us, Father, each one of us, and wherever uh, we are in the journey, we know that you are here to meet us right there, to lead us on, to lead us to higher ground, to lead us to uh, greater heights of the love of Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. Again, bless each one. Keep us in your care, Father, we pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.